Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ of St. Paul, located in Matamidi, Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to fccstpaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our gospel reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. There's a scene in the movie Selma that is incredibly memorable. The interesting thing about it is that it has nothing to do, at least at the beginning, with Selma. This opening, this is the opening scene. It takes place actually two years earlier, in 1963, and it took place not in Selma, but in Birmingham. And we see four black girls. They're walking down the interior walls of a church. They are talking about various things that you would expect young girls would be talking about. They pass in front of you on the scene on the screen, and then 
you kind of see them walking away. And we continue to hear their voices carry until, bam, a bomb explodes. And the screen is filled with flying wood and glass. What we saw was the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama in 1963. Those four girls were all killed by that bomb. I remember when I first saw this, I immediately knew what this was, what they were talking about, this part of history. And I knew what was coming, and yet I still jumped. I don't know, I'm, I'm curious, I would love to find out why the director thought of starting with this event, but my guess was it was meant to set us and prepare us for the mood for what was about to come. It was important to understand the darkness, especially the darkness that was racism that pervaded the film. And you had to understand it. You had to have this scene. Easter never starts in daylight. It almost always starts in darkness. That was the story with Mary Magdalene as she is going to the tomb of Jesus. We're not told in this scripture why she's going to the tomb, but we know that what, she is, what she's going to expect. She's expecting to see a dead Jesus. And the text opens with this phrase, while it was still dark. While it was still dark. We don't think about that in the Easter story. But it is true. Resurrection starts in darkness. Mary makes her way sensing the darkness. For her, there is no hope. She was someone that had been healed by Jesus. She saw others being healed by Jesus. She probably saw various signs and wonders of Jesus and had become a friend. And then out of nowhere, Jesus was put to death by an uncaring government. Another good man executed by the state. She had resigned herself to believing that this was it. She would never see this man ever again. While it was still dark means that sin and evil are present. And God feels distant, if not absent. And Mary was feeling as if God was distant. She had to be asking, where was God when Jesus was dying on the cross? Did God care? The fact is, is that it is hard to believe in God when it's dark. The darkness that was depicted in the movie Selma and the darkness that we read here in scripture are present now in our world. This past week, the New York Times presented an, a very in-depth story in both pictures and in words 
of the atrocities committed by the Russian army in the suburb of Bucha, a suburb of Kiev. They tell the story of various Ukrainians who lost their lives during the Russian occupation. There was a woman who simply opened her door and was immediately shot dead. And a month later, her body still laid in the doorway. A middle-aged man went out to get a loaf of bread that was made by neighbors. He was shot. His body was found in the middle of the street, but it was days before his family could even reach the body to get it to a morgue. A gentleman comes to hit back to his home after a month away, only to find it ransacked. He goes downstairs, he finds a woman clad only in just a fur coat. Two bullets are put to her head that put an end to her life. There were signs that this woman had been sexually abused before the Russians killed her. There are other stories, not just in the Times, but in other publications that talk about this brutality of Russian soldiers and how they treated Ukrainian civilians. Many of these stories are far too disturbing to share here. As Ukrainians prepare to celebrate Easter, they see that it is still dark. The phrase, while it is still dark, truly means something to them. But it is not dark just in Ukraine. It's dark in all of our world. In my native state of Michigan this week, there is an uproar in Grand Rapids over a police-involved shooting of a black man. A traffic stop over expired tabs ended with a black motorist, an immigrant from Congo, shot twice in the head. This is the world that Mary was in, the state that Mary was in. It was still dark. It is in this world that something miraculous happens. Mary comes to the tomb expecting to find the stone sealing the entrance, just like you would expect any tomb to seal the entrance, to be sealed. Because, of course, it is still dark. But she comes and she finds that the stone has been rolled away. And she is shocked. And she asks a stranger to help find Jesus' body. She is distraught. She thinks that someone has taken the body. She still thinks it's dark because, of course, now someone has stolen the body of her dearest friend. But that stranger, who is Jesus, says her name, Mary. And in a moment, Jesus is revealed as the risen Lord. And that darkness that was now so prevalent is gone. Light has pierced the darkness and everything has changed. 
We live in a world that is still dark. What I shared in the Times has proven that. But I could share something in the news each day to find proof that there is darkness in the world. This darkness, this sin, this evil seems to be everywhere these days. And that brings us to this question, why do we pray, celebrate the resurrection? Why do we praise something that seems to defy logic and reason, a dead person coming back to life? Why should we do what Mary does, which is to tell others that Jesus is risen? We tell these stories to remind us that Easter starts in darkness, but it does not end in darkness. Jesus rising from the dead brings an end to the darkness. Sin and evil are real in our world, but po the powers of death never have the last word. As I said, there is darkness in our world today. It's found in Ukraine. It's found in Grand Rapids. It's found close to home. Sometimes it's found in our hearts. On Thursday, it was found that Judas sought to betray his friend. On Friday, it was found that the Roman officials sought to kill an innocent man. That is darkness. But on Sunday, while it was still dark, Jesus arose and death lost. For those of us who believe and who follow Jesus, we know that the light has come. We believe that Jesus is no longer in the grave. The disciples were not simply inspired by Jesus' life. They believed that Jesus rose from the grave. We who follow Jesus believe that Jesus died and came back to life. And we also believe that one day we too will be resurrected, showing that death will be ultimately defeated. Maybe this morning you might be dealing with your own form of darkness. It could be some bad news in your life. It could be a lost job or a bad diagnosis. It could be struggling with depression. Whatever it is, all of us have felt that darkness. But Jesus' resurrection tells us that the darkness that we face in this world can't stand. It has already been defeated through the cross and the empty tomb. Now, you'll notice this morning that among the lilies, there are a few sunflowers. And they're up there for a few reasons. As I said, you know, first, as many of you know, it's the national flower of Ukraine. And it's a way of showing solidarity. The second, though, is that it's interesting that the name, the, the formal name, the scientific name of the sunflower, which is Helianthus anus. And that name comes from the Greek word for sun, which is helios, and anthos, which is flower. And there is a reason it's named that, too, because the sunflower is what is called a heliotropic plant. 
That means before it comes into full bloom, parts of it actually follow the sun. And when it is in full bloom, it almost always faces east towards the sun. And the final thing about the sunflower is that it's a symbol of hope and peace. In better times, when there was better times and better relations between Ukraine and Russia, these flowers were planted at an old Soviet base as a symbol of peace in Ukraine. And they have been planted, actually, at different at sites of uh, where there has been kind of nuclear accidents, so Chernobyl and Fukushima. They have been planted. And interestingly, sunflowers can pull toxins out of the ground. So planting the sunflower is, in some ways, a sign of hope of renewing the earth as well. The sunflowers remind us that hope is here. For Christians, that hope is in the Son, the Son of God. And the risen Jesus reminds us that hope never dies, that darkness can never rule. In the life of this congregation, we have dealt with darkness. We have dealt with uncertainty. We wonder at times, and in, especially in this in-between time, what is our future? We are selling a building. We're moving to a new place. We wonder, will this move change anything? Or will we be revived? It has been dark in our lives as a congregation, but we also know that we serve a risen Savior. Someone that has a little experience with coming back from the dead. We believe that God will see us through this time of uncertainty to lead us to a new place where we can be a witness to our community. And like the sunflower, if we face the sun, we will experience light and life, even when the future might seem dark around us. Our usual greeting on Easter is that Christ is risen. We say that every Easter, but do we really mean it? Because today, in my life and in your life, Christ is risen. Death is defeated. Life and light shine. So Christ is risen, my friends. Christ is risen indeed, and for that, we can say, Alleluia. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.com. Dot org. That's F-C-C-S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L dot org. May God be with you in the coming week.